We've been looking at this thought of taking delight in life, uh, really inspired from a couple different passages. First Thessalonians 2.8 says, we love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. And this thought is, are you experiencing the most life has to offer? And why do we choose paths and actions in our life that just leave us empty at times and don't bring us delight? Uh, why do we find ourselves in a place where we're not taking delight of everything? And, and we want to lead into uh, 2019 here where our eyes are set on taking delight. In fact, Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desire. It's our belief that if we love well, and then we put action to that love, and we serve well, we'll experience a life that is giving us incredible delight. And that's our heart for you to experience. Our big idea today is love leads us to serve. Love leads us to serve. And last week we looked at love. And we kind of opened up the pages on, on love and, and in, looked inside our life and said, Lord, am I loving well in this way? Am I loving well in this way? Am I loving patiently and kindly? And, and, and really just did some introspection and, and look at our life. And, and that increased our love factor, right? And the reality is, is you serve those you love, and then in turn, you love those you serve. It just keeps going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Matthew 9.35 kind of demonstrates this as Jesus is hanging out with his team. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. So Jesus is setting this ultimate example of servanthood from town to town, right? He's got his team with them. They're, they're seeing hands on how he is serving. He's demonstrating loving people, right? With the action of serving. He's taken delight in it, but he's moved, right? He's moved by how these people are just harassed by life. Life has dealt them a raw deal in their moment, and he's just moved by them, and there's, there's more than even he can handle. He needs more workers to join the team, and so he says to them to pray, right? And he's like, pray to the Lord of the harvest. We need to explore. He explores the community. He gets this burden, this compassion, and his serving led to a deeper longing for those who would go and do the same of what he was demonstrating. He called them workers. So it's just an interesting mindset, right? That, man, we are all co-workers on this mission Jesus initially demonstrated for us. And he simply said to pray to the Lord who's in charge of everything that there is to do out there. He called it the harvest. Send out workers, Lord. And so in this scenario, in this passage, we're both the prayers and those that are sent. We like fit two roles there. And we need to figure out, well, then how, right? How do I do this? 
Uh, interesting thought, loving without serving brings confusion to the world around us. It's confusing when we tell someone we love them but don't do anything about what they're facing. It's really confusing. And so we need to figure out, in fact, I would say, if that's us, if, if we're looking at our life and, and we're, we're recognizing, yeah, I guess I do kind of do that. I do kind of show or tell people I, I love them and I'm praying for them, but I never put action to that, then maybe that's the desire of love, if it's missing the action. Because love compels us to the action of serving, or as Jesus calls it, work. Okay, here's another passage that hits on this. In Mark, this is the way he words it. He says, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. They came to him, and he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Nothing has changed. The Lord, in fact, Scripture says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus, even today, is in the business of calling us out to serve, calling us out to be workers. And He's giving us these ministries, these two things that we can practice. And there are thoughts today. And the first thought is, serve people God leads to us. Right? And I would call this like serving the people God leads to us in this first thought is the accompanying him factor. Jesus said to these, for those that were following him, accompany me. Like come with me on this mission I'm on to save the lost and save the world around us. Jesus was here to change the world. And now we're here on his mission in this community to impact the lives of the 80,000 plus people who don't know Jesus right in our blast radius. So many people passing us day in and day out, living next to us, going to our school, at our workplace, in our families, have yet to have a personal encounter with Jesus. They're not living a life that is growing in relationship with Jesus. And God has put you strategically in their world to serve them and his church, which he calls his bride, he's put right here to serve this city. What an incredible joy. What an incredible joy. And, but yet, the accompany him factor is literally like what we can do here, what we can do um, inside the church. Jesus here was really challenging us. One cannot reach everyone, so God gives vision and direction to one to inspire many to accompany that vision and reach everyone. Just that reality. Ephesians 4 words it like this in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, that's all of us, to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind or new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, 
We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I don't know if today you feel like you're full of love or not, but hopefully when you leave here, you feel more full than you did when you came in because our role is to be full of love for those around us. That's, that's like what God wants us to be. God is still leading people to the church and challenging you and me to accompany the vision of the church, the mission of serving the church so that people can encounter Jesus. Each of us are wired uniquely for different tasks in the family. I was handing out some of the tasks to the kids. Preston is turning eight in a week, and, and so I was like, you're getting added to the dish chore list. He was kind of all about it. It was like, what do you want, bud? Do you want to be the recycling taker-outer person? Or do you want to be the garbage person? Or, hey, do you want to, do you want to be the dish guy? You know, and, and all the kids have a dish rotation, you know? Do you want to be the car vacuumer person? Um, and, you know, so we went down. He's now the, the stair vacuumer and the week one dish guy. So, uh, well, in our house, that's like every day. Is anybody else like that? Like, how do we need to run the dishwasher every day? Some of you probably have two dishwashers. Anyway, so I'm like, right? So I'm like, how do we do this? Um, it's just there's so many dishes and they're always dirty. Come on. And that's, that's kind of our world. And so we're delegating out work. We're part of a family. We all get to contribute. And so you look at that and you just go, the kingdom of God is the same. The church is the same. We all have unique, special ways that we're wired. We're actually going to look at this in March and, and help you discover your unique gifting. It'll be kind of fun to do that. But for some of you, you're wired to plug in with, with youth. You like love students and you're like, you, you, you just want to see young people in the community follow Jesus. It's a unique age. Students are in schools, which gives them a unique point of focus, right? If you, Jesus challenged us to fish for men and, and fish swim in schools. So schools is one of the best places to reach students, students reaching students uh, and leading them into a growing relationship with Jesus. And so maybe you're like the one that's saying, man, I'm all about students. Sign me up. What do I do? Talk to John. Write it on your connect card. Let's get you to, to their snow camp day that's coming up here February 9th and, and, and help us pursue this vision of bringing the gospel to every student before they graduate high school. How cool would that be? What difference would that make in our future? Our future needs a difference made. Maybe you're loving kids so much that you're like, I just want to serve kids. I'm going to serve God's church by taking care of their littles so that they can enjoy being equipped by the Lord and inspired to go out and make a difference, loving their community. Maybe you're wired like me. I'm like hospitality focused oftentimes and, you know, give me an umbrella, take me outside and, and let me greet people and welcome them in. And man, we have space for that. We have space. There's so many things to do. You might be technical and you want to run sound. You might be a person who owns a big truck. We always need more drivers to tow the trailer. You know, there's just all kinds of opportunities to serve. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, pray for workers because we need workers to accompany the mission and vision of Jesus in the church, to raise up the church so that we're fully equipped so that God can send us even more because he wants us to serve the people he leads to us. 
And He's only going to lead people to us if we're equipped to receive them. Not, we don't grow the church again. We said this before. We don't grow to, uh, the church, uh, or our, our goal is not to love people to grow the church. It's to grow the church so we can love more people. And so it's just realizing we're all equipped to grow this thing so we can love even more. Our blast radius increases. There are people like me out there in this community that are going to someday like wake up or go to bed the night before thinking tomorrow's the day I got to get back to church. And I've shared my story openly and I'll do it again here in a little window because the end of January is kind of this, this season for me. Uh, an interesting moment in my life in 1993. I was far from God. I grew up in Sunday school as a kid, but, you know, I, I'd wandered far away and even rebelled intentionally away from God and, and found myself just living what you'd consider the life probably, right? And uh, had lots of friends, partied a lot, and just the young adult, 20 years old life. And found myself in a, in a place where uh, I'd had some negative long-term relationships and, and were definitely uh, live in a way that God did not prepare me to experience the best of life in. And I was at a party on a Saturday night, and my ex-girlfriend uh, was very emotional. You could just tell she was a wreck. And, and she was at the same party, and, uh, and she called me aside and said, I need to talk to you tonight. And she's just sobbing, and I'm just like, what in the world is this? Make my way to... Uh, make my way to the, her house afterwards, and she begins to share that uh, with me just sobbing that she had become pregnant with my child and had made the decision to have an abortion. And she was told this is just tissue, it's nothing, it's no big deal, you'll just go on with your life after this. But she realized instantly it was way bigger than that. And and she was bearing this guilt and emotion and pain. And in turn, in that moment when she shared that with me, it was like if you could ever imagine having your whole life and everything you've done wrong just go right in front of your eyes in a movie of my life, if you will. And I was like, I have broken every commandment in the world. My Sunday school teachings kind of all for the first time for some reason popped back into my head of like God and love. And all of a sudden I hear this phrase, I'm weeping and, and I'm emotional and I don't know what to do in this moment. And, and I just remember all of a sudden remembering a phrase that a student told me in high school years earlier. Bobby Braun said to me, she said, looked in my eyes, which felt like she was looking at my soul, and said to me, one day, Thad, you're going to reach rock bottom. And when you do, come to Shoreline Community Church because you'll be loved. That phrase comes to me in this incredibly dark moment. And I'm like, this was just a student in high school being faithful to serve others with her faith inviting me. She had invited me to Young Life and youth group, and I was probably mean to her about that. And eventually, in fact, I was probably the kid, if they were challenged to write down who's least likely to come to church, invite them this week. That's probably the week she came to me every time. And so I was that kid, and, 
And uh, sure enough, she, she just comes up with that phrase. I don't know if she was told that or if that came to her by the Holy Spirit, but it came to me years later. And I woke up the next morning and I drove to Shoreline Community Church and I walked in the back and a new pastor was preaching that day. It was at the end of January, 1993. Uh, they were introducing him, Rob Vatter. He had just come out. He had taken a, a, this ministry position as a teaching pastor at the church. He had just been the executive director for crisis pregnancy centers. And his sermon was on how abortion is murder. That was the message that day. It was Sanctity of Life Sunday, and I walked into church on that day. And it was like a sledgehammer to the gut. It was painful to hear. And yet it hurt good, and I was a wreck. And a gentleman approaches me and says, is everything okay? I want to show you a picture here of uh, that gentleman is on the right. His name is Bob Blair. The gentleman in the middle was the lead pastor of the church, Les Welk. And uh, both these men had a profound impact on my life. But amazingly, the guy on the right, Bob Blair, was an usher. Like that, he was just, he was just serving as an usher. He had this section that he was in charge of, and I was hiding in it under the balcony in this church, listening to the talk. And he saw that I was emotional, and he took his role as a worker that day, seriously, and he saw my emotion, and he approached me and said, is everything okay? And then when the service concluded, because it wasn't okay, he approached me again and, and just shared some encouraging words before I escaped out really quick, because I did see some people I had recognized from high school and stuff in the room. I was like, oh man, I just got to escape because people aren't going to, like, they shouldn't know I'm here or whatever. I was weird. And, uh, and so I came back the next Sunday. I came back for six months and then I finally made a decision to follow Jesus. And every week, Bob would approach me and he would check in on me. And he wasn't signed up to volunteer that Sunday, it wasn't his section anymore. He was just a follower of Jesus that saw another person walking through the door of the church to find Jesus, and he owned it, and he loved people, and I was a people. To me, that was incredibly powerful. It took a long time for me to forgive myself, but God finally got through to my world, and then I had a profound model in the faith of what it looks like to serve well. And we all have this opportunity. These are the people, the very people God is challenging us to pray for. He had compassion on me like Jesus had compassion on that city that was harassed and helpless. I was a victim of everything culture told me was okay. But now I was in pain because I got to rock bottom. That some Sunday impacted me deeply. And Jaden and I were talking this week. We were, we were driving back from a, a leadership luncheon and, and just having a conversation. And, and we were at a church that was just remodeled and stuff. And we were like talking about how interesting it is that today we see church as a building oftentimes, right? When you say church, like, oh, well, where's your building or whatever. And, but open life, due to the fact that we rent, we kind of understand even more church is people, right? And church is all about people. 
Church is about uh, loving people, and when we, when we gather as a group, we're the church. When we go out, we're the church. Where if we go to eat somewhere, if we're hanging out, it doesn't take a building to be a church. But yet, when we're building the church, it so often comes back to the building. Like, like when we're growing the church, when the people grow, it often comes back. And people are like, get focused on buildings instead of people. And I, I count it a blessing that we're so focused on people. Now, someday, I'm sure we'll have a facility and, and have that as a tool to do the ministry for people. But that's not the church. The church isn't waltz. The church is you, and it's both when we gather here we're on mission and when we go into community we're on mission, which brings up thought too. We need to serve the people God sends us to. So we need to serve the people God brings to us, but we need to serve the, God, the people that God sends us to. He's sending us out to people on a constant basis. Jesus calls these people and selected the 12 to accompany him and send them out. And he's still doing the same thing today. It was foreshadowing for what he would teach in his final teaching. In Acts 1.8, he says, You will receive power from the Holy Spirit when it comes on you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Across the street and around the globe, we're called to serve people wherever we go wherever God leads us, wherever He plants us, 24-7. In John 4, it says it this way, in verse 34, He's talking to his, his team again, and He says, He explains, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. So Jesus Himself was sent, right? And from finishing His work. You know the saying, four months between uh, planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests? And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you'll get to gather the harvest. Man, how beautiful is that? Jesus was sent and so were we. And how beautiful is this worded? The fruit they harvest is people. People are so mission critical and not just us, but everyone. And it takes all of us to reach everyone, to serve everyone, to show the love of God tangibly through service. Our, women's, uh, our women have an opportunity to go to a, a one-day conference on March 9th called Planted. And it's all about being active in your faith out in the world and serving people. I'm so excited for that opportunity for them. But this visual of some plant and do that work, because some, some of you are naturally outgoing and extroverted, you're going to share your experience with Jesus to anybody who listens. But some of you are so wired to love people when they walk through the door and experience the harvest and the influx. No matter how you're wired, God so values your gifts. 
And he's just praying that we would engage. Again, we grow the church to love more people. We don't love the people to grow the church. We have the opportunity to serve this community around us in more ways with more favor than I've ever experienced in all of my ministry years. Like every door seems to be open. We just need workers to jump through those, those doors and serve people right here and around the world. I mean, because we're the people sent to lead people to Jesus. Just as Jesus modeled, we are to go and serve in the harvest fields, working, harvesting, gathering. I mean, we can't go to work and hang our heads and complain about our jobs because Jesus put us there. Maybe just for a season, but you've been sent. That school you're in, you've been sent there. That teacher that drives you nuts, yeah, you've been sent into that room to make a difference. So don't complain about it. Make the most of it. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm not talking to my kids right now, am I? Uh, <clears throat> listen deeply, write that down. Okay, uh, the... You know what I'm saying? We can so easily just complain about our circumstances, but they're all opportunities if we put the right lenses on. How are you living a life quick to serve within the people's lives around you God sent you to? Lift up your heads. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few, so do something, right? Our action point is simple today. Serve people. Serve people. We've got to be determined that we're going to be quick to serve. We're going to serve people. And I find this interesting principle in a teaching Jesus did in Luke 6, 38. It says, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And while that's speaking of generosity, it fits, that principle carries right into gener the generosity of serving. We have this opportunity to serve generously. And to the amount you serve, you'll be served. To the amount you serve the church, you'll get from the church. Those who walk through the door ready to serve and are expectant, man, they see things happening because they were expectant for them to happen. I used to laugh because we would take students to camps like the day on February 9th that they'll go to, the youth, and, and we'd pray for it beforehand. We'd go to this thing expectant, and kids would come back, oh, the most incredible message I've ever heard. This was amazing. I'm going to change the world. They're making commitments, and you're like, it was the same talk we just gave last month. <laughs> you're just like, they were just expectant. What if we just wake up expecting to serve people? What if we wake up expecting to be able to have a tangible expression of our love for the community and that we'll make the most of the opportunity? You serve those you love and you love those you serve. That's how it works. I want to close in prayer for you. But I also want to say a, a special prayer for our country. Obviously, with my story there, you can imagine this week was quite the blow with the news out of New York, right? And uh, at the end of every January, I relive that moment of my life every year. And I question what life would be if decisions were made differently. And yet I'm not like ticked at the world around me or the pain I've gone through. It's shaped me. 
It's equipped me to love a lot of people I never would have had an understanding to love. And uh, it helps me understand that every day somebody's walking through these doors every Sunday with pain we can't fathom. And every one of us has an opportunity to look to our left and our right, lift our heads up and see somebody needs just an encouraging word. And I, I want to pray for you to be those, those bobs <laughs> in this church. I want to pray for our world too and the direction it goes and for loving the world around us, praying for those in authority over us, praying for laws put into practice, be it whatever state people live in, praying for families and marriages. I mean, re-engage, we take that ministry seriously. Why do we have a, a marriage ministry that, that goes for 16 weeks twice a year? This is why, because marriage matter. People need to see healthy marriages so that they'll understand there's healthy families out there if they find themselves in a moment of unwanted pregnancy and they won't make a professional decision to get rid of the tissue. They'll make a decision to bring a life into a world that's going to love them and not abandon them. I could get a little passionate about that subject if you want me to. But I'd rather just pray for those, the world around us. We need more people who serve and share Jesus' love because it'll change the course of our nation if people fall in love with Jesus and live according to his word. Because his word says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows us when we're in our mother's womb. So I think people in the womb are kind of important. So I want to pray for the world around us. And I want to pray for you today. God, I thank you for what you've stirred in each of us. The journey you've brought us on to this point and where we're at in life is very intentional so that we could love others the same way we've been loved. And the only way we express that love is through serving. Serving those you bring to us and serving those you send us to. And so God, I pray right now for everybody in here to, to just have a readiness, a quickness to serve and love the people in their, their world. God, I pray for our nation. I pray for our world. And, and I pray for our value of every human, every person from conception on, Lord. And I pray that you would touch the lives of, of those who have decision-making capacity around us. I know we can't legislate morality, Lord, but we sure can love those who are processing these huge decisions that are going to open the door for people to stumble around us. God, the pain that we're bringing into our people's lives, oftentimes it's just unsurmountable. And I pray that, Lord, we would be those who love those in pain. When they come through the doors overwhelmed, they'll find life. They'll find a peace that they're seeking. And it'll be an army of people ready to serve them. God, I pray for families and marriages and that this world would raise up incredible kids and have great homes for them to live in, whether they're birthed into homes, adopted into homes, however it happens, Lord. Just let us value life. And the life of every person matters. I thank you for what you stirred. Lord, if there's people here who have yet to make a decision to follow you, may they choose you right now. May they invite you into their life by saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want to serve you. I want to be called. I want to go out and, and serve others. Lord, let us help them along that journey. I thank you that you brought them through the doors today. It wasn't by mistake. You have an assignment for us. And that's to love people and serve people around us so we can experience life to the full. Thank you for this day, in Jesus' name. Amen. And why don't you grab that Connect card Tim told you about earlier, turn it over, check whatever boxes are appropriate, write down any prayer requests that fit. The worship team's going to leave.